Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we bring you the most powerful pioneers in personal development and the inspiration to take action in your life. I'm your honored host, Kevin Miller, and today, Mark, Tim, and I bring you the launch of a new Ziggler Show format. I'll tell you more in about 30 seconds. In this show, we feature Chris Gillibo back for his second time on the show since being with us in show number 386, uh, which was titled How to Dominate by Opting Out. This time we have Chris back to dissect the message from his new book called Side Hustle. He wrote it to the fully employed who want a side hustle to one, have something they enjoy and have freedom in, two, want another stream of income, and three, want the security of not having all their eggs in one basket. Chris is as down to earth as they come and is all about practical step-by-step application. Side Hustle is right now sitting at the top 200 uh, overall books on Amazon's bestseller list because this guidance is what people want. Uh, Chris is a true friend, friend of Ziggler. He came to fame as the blogger and author of The Art of Nonconformity and a guy on a mission to travel to every country in the world and share his travel hacks, which he did. Uh, before we start this interview, real quick, let me tell you about something new. This show is the beginning of a new show format. For about a year now, we posted one show per week. Starting now, we go to three shows per Per week, always in the same structure. It's really a series. Monday will be the main interview with a premier guest, just like we're doing here with Chris Gillibo, uh, who's a rock star leader in personal development. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Harnessing the Ziggler wheel of life, we will stay focused on four areas that we need strength in for overall life success. That's what Zig taught us. The mind, our work, our health, and our personal skills and abilities. Uh, we'll be bringing you again, the best of the best in these areas. Then on Wednesdays, two days later, we'll take that same guest and get into their personal life, the habits, successes, and weaknesses in their personal development journey. You'll hear great counsel that you can apply and realize that these folks are striving and real humans just like you, and you can do it too. 
Then on Fridays, we'll give you a, we're going to call it, I think a Zig bomb where that same guest again, gives their favorite Zig quote and what it means to them, why it was powerful to them. We'll take that quote to our social media channels, ask some questions around how to walk it out, how people are doing that, what the challenges are, where the successes are, and then share their comments in a Q and a show, which I will generally be doing with Ziggler premier speaker, Michelle Prince. We really feel this new format will give you more direct value to your life and pursuits. Let us know how you think with great reviews in iTunes, uh, or if you want to offer some constructive feedback on how we can do it better, just email us at ask at zigshow.com. All right. With all that said here, CEO of Ziggler family, Mark Tim and I bring you Chris Gillibo. Well, so Chris, aside from being an entrepreneurial guru, which is a subject of our talk today in a lot of ways, you are a renowned world traveler. So I'm going to hit you just with a personal interest question here. If you had to get on a plane this uh-huh. moment and fly somewhere outside the U.S. and okay. remain there the next 30 days, where would you go and why? Okay. You know, I just, I just got off a plane and I'm going to get off on a plane tomorrow. So it's kind of a constant thing, but, um, at the moment I'm on book tour, which is its own kind of, kind of animal, which I, I love, but it's very different from what you just described. If I had to do what, what you mentioned, I think I would go to Sydney, Australia. It's one of my favorite places in the world. I uh, always love going, going over to Australia and I haven't been in a long time, so I'd love to go back. That is a favorite place of your buddy, Tom Ziegler as well. He's a big, oh, good. Big Australia fan. I'll shoot the same question to you, Mark. You're a traveling guy. Where do you, where do you, where would you go? Yeah, I get asked that question quite a bit too. In fact, I got asked that question by my 17 year old son and I told him I would go to China and there's lots of reasons why, and I won't do a deep dive other than just, I think the, uh, the culture there is the, the history is so rich. You know, I remember going to their uh, natural history museum and it had to be over 2000 years old just to be in the natural history museum. Right. So he, he took my advice literal and prepared himself so that he could spend a semester over there. And he was over in the Shaolin temple area studying, uh, martial arts and Mandarin. And it was life changing for him. Wow. And so I was glad that I gave him that answer and I'm glad he took it up on it. And I think, uh, it's a place that I would go back to. Uh, I've been there several times, but I would mm-hmm. go back there just because there's just so much more there to learn. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, I'll throw it back to you. Uh, I know you've been to China. What's, what's your favorite place you've been in China? Was that to me or to Kevin? Yeah, it was to you, Chris. You. Okay, great. Um, probably the most unique place I was in China was Harbin, which is way in the north, you know, up, up near Mongolia. And that was actually my first introduction. It was many years ago. And I, I spent actually about 30 days there. So I was teaching English. This is long, long ago, um, probably about 15 years. And um, later I would go to Beijing and Shanghai and see some of those other cities. But uh, Harbin felt, at least to me, it felt very isolated or at least you know, very different from my, from my like preconception of what Asia was like or what China was like. So it was, it was interesting. Cool. Well, going along with your, uh, you know, somewhat fly by the seat of your pants and just make things happen. So we were going to record this show uh, about two weeks ago and you had to reschedule. And so I'm curious about that. So Lewis, Lewis house, the uh, school of greatness, rock star podcaster. So he has an event going on. You said something happened with the keynote uh, speaker and he called you and boom, you're on a 5.00 AM flight to make that yeah. happen. So what's, what's I happening? was kind of the replacement for that, um, which is totally fine because I do events. I understand what it's like. Uh, um, I hated to reschedule. I also hate to reschedule because you know, you guys are planning for a certain thing and like, I don't want to 
mess with your flow. But then uh, Lewis, Lewis basically texted me on like, I think it was Monday morning or something. And he's like, Hey man, what are you doing on Thursday? And I was like, I know exactly what you're asking me basically, because, you know, I've been in that, that situation before and he and I have talked about it in, in different ways. So I was like, if I can do it, I will. It's really, it's kind of a challenge because it's a week before my book comes out. Uh, Columbus, Ohio and Portland, Oregon aren't necessarily, you know, next to each other. Yeah. Not a lot of direct flights there. Um, but if I can make it happen, I will. So yeah, it was a 5am flight and then a, basically a 20 hour stay and then, and then back to launch the book. So what was your keynote topic on? Uh, I kind of gave a little preview of, of the side hustle book. So I'm on this hundred city tour now. And, uh, that was, I think three or four days before the book came out. So I was talking to everybody about why they need a side hustle and uh, how I'm trying to kind of redefine that, that term and that movement. Cause everybody's talking about side hustles, but mm -hmm. they're talking about it in a lot of different ways from just, you know, a part-time job or, you know, some kind of minimum wage thing or something in the gig economy to what I'm trying to focus on, which is helping people make real money. Uh, so talking about that and then giving some stories and examples of that and then some practical tips of how people can go about doing that. Wait, wait that a minute, 100 cities in what amount of time? Uh, let's see, I don't have it all planned out. I got about 60 to 70 of them booked. Uh, that's through the end of the year. So we're talking in September, so a few months. Uh, and then the, the final batch will come in uh, the early part of next year. So but it's pretty much uh, one city a day, at least in the beginning, like intense phase. So for about three weeks, I do, I do five or six cities a week. That's unreal. Wow. That's unreal. Well, so what you talked about with the keynote there was where I wanted to hit. So I don't know if you, you probably have no memory of this. I came to the tattered cover bookstore where I think you're going to be tomorrow That's right. Uh, for your tour for the $100 startup, probably 2012 it was with my friend, Justin Lukasavich. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'll always remember it because as I was watching you and you, you were brilliant, of course. And, and I had the, the worst chap lips ever, which you get in, in Colorado. And I bought chapstick there. It was really expensive. I think I still have a scrap of, of that left, but that was, that was my, my, the thing that stuck in my mind. I always remember, but, wow. but with that, so a hundred dollars startup, I really appreciated that. It, it really mm -hmm. spoke my language. And so, and you just hit on this, how does side hustle differ from the message in a hundred dollars startup? Yeah, great question. Um, I would say it's completely different because $100 Startup is essentially uh, encouraging people to become entrepreneurs. So it's a, kind of this documentary of people who are accidental entrepreneurs and actually leave their job to do that. Uh, whereas Side Hustle is essentially a message saying, hey, you don't have to quit your job. Uh, in fact, you probably shouldn't quit your job you know, without a plan. And lots of people actually like what they do. They, they feel fortunate to be part of a company or an organization that they, they believe in. Uh, but at the same time, they realize or they should realize that they also need more than one source of income. So I'm trying to show people that it's not a false choice and you don't have to take a lot of risk. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You can use the skills you already have to establish like this additional security for yourself. Uh, so it's a very different market of people. Like I, I see like $100 startup being more for people perhaps like me. Like I, I was, I always say that I'm unemployable. Like I, I was, you know, I would work 23 hours a day for myself to avoid working one hour a day for somebody else. Um, but not everybody's like that, of course, you know. Um, so for all those like people out there who have a good job or maybe eventually they want to leave their job, but they can't do so right away. They got a family, they got a mortgage or whatever. This is an additional way to, to create freedom for yourself and open up more options for yourself. Well, so I'm curious on that. And, and I know, and I've read this from you multiple times that you're, uh, you, you're quick to point out that you're that consummate entrepreneur who admittedly will work 24 hours a day for himself, as opposed to one hour a day for somebody else. And, uh, again, I, I resonate at, at 47 years old. I've spent two full years as an actual employee in my life. Otherwise it was, uh, right. that same thing. I, I admittedly have some authority issues as well. So right. where's the, well, I wondered where's the root of that for you? Is it a little authority issue or is it 
or is it more, and it's, it's probably both, but does it more fall on the side of just wanting the freedom and passion to, you know, create your own art? Oh, I think it's both. I mean, I think, I think it's fair to say it's both. I mean, like, you know, when I was a teenager, I, I dropped out of high school. I was a juvenile delinquent. I, I had, you know, lots of issues. And so there's, there's that that's kind of there. And eventually, hopefully it got, you know, translated into something more positive. Um, but I do have that kind of skepticism about authority, like always kind of questioning, wanting to go my own way. Um, and then I think not everybody is like that, of course. Right. Um, but I, the, the, the other side of it, the freedom, the independence, like once I discovered like how to make a living for myself or how to, how to do something for myself. Like I actually really loved that way of life. And I loved being able to, to, you know, pursue a creative process of starting a new project and seeing where it went and uh, seeing how I could develop it. So I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of both. Not everybody wants to be a rebel, but I do think everybody wants more choice and more options. So I tend to focus a little bit more about that on in the messaging. Well, speaking of the messaging, uh, congratulations, huge on taking side hustle to the podcast platform and you've knocked it out of the park. It's one of the top business podcasts, uh, out there and you have picked a format. You, you talked to me about it when the email, when I said, this is going to be a little longer and you're doing these quick nuggets almost every day. Tell me, uh, you know, we got a lot of people that are, that are, that will, they need to listen to folks. If you're not signed up to it, go to side hustle, subscribe and uh, listen to it, get your value and leave him a review. Uh, please, you will resonate you. so strongly awesome. with the show. It, it's great, but it is, it's, it's quick. You're doing them every day. Tell me how every you day. came to that, uh, to that format. Cause we got a lot of podcasters and wannabes on the show too. Sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. So last year I was like, okay, I think, uh, I think it's time for me to, uh, I really want to invest in this message. I want to go like full on with the side hustle concept. I've been writing about it for eight years, but I noticed like last year on, on the born for this tour, people responded to that concept more than anything else, like disproportionately. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do a big tour, but I need a new medium for it. Um, so I'm going to have a podcast. I'm going to catch up to 2005, you know, felt like I was 10 years behind on the podcast world at least. Um, and so I had to, I had to choose a different format. I felt like I, I have to stand out somehow because there are so many podcasts out there, especially so many like, you know, interview the expert kind of podcasts. And like, if you're established, you've done that really well, then, then that's great. But I feel like everybody that's starting up the same kind of thing is not really going to be that successful. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to have no guests. It's just going to be me. Uh, I'm going to tell a story every day, a true story of an employee who starts a side hustle, um, how they get the idea, how it works out, what challenges they encounter, uh, and how much money it makes. So it's, it's very specific. And um, I'm going to do that literally every single day, seven days a week, 365 episodes um, this year, just because I want to kind of build this relationship with listeners and tell a, tell a narrative story, like from January 1, like I started all the way through the end of the year. I mean, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a learning process. Like uh, you guys have been pioneers in that world. And I, uh, so many other folks like Lewis Howes, like I've learned from, from all of you. I'm late to the party. So I'm certainly no podcast expert. I can only speak from like my own experience and of what I've been doing this year. Yeah, but I love what you're doing because you're actually giving a voice to those that are out there hustling mm. uh, because you're, you're telling their story. And that's, uh, mm. that's pretty powerful because uh, we're all, you know, I, I think we all walk around believing that, uh, that what we're doing matters. And mm. yet on the same token, we're not sure anybody, uh, you know, is going to ever hear it. Uh -huh. And so, you know, so you're, you're, you're making the hustle come to uh, life for real people. Mm -hmm. And by doing it every day, 365, that's not a small number of hustlers out there that, uh, and I'm sure you've got plenty of, uh, plenty of people that would love for you to tell their story. So I love the Absolutely. format. Well done. Oh. oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah. And if, if there's any listeners who have side hustles, um, I would actually love to feature them. I mean, if they come to the side hustle website, there's a little intake form. I would love to hear about their project and tell it to the world. 
Okay. So folks, right, if you did nation, let's make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Sidehustleschool.com. Go there, submit, and maybe you'll get featured on Christian's show. But yeah, it is one with a short format that whatever your podcast listening uh, schedule is for your drive time or your workout time or whatever, this is one that you can stick in there and listen to every single day. I, I hope you're, I hope you're prepared, Chris, for what you just did. Cause we've got a lot of, I'm prepared. We got a lot of, uh, small businesses and we got a lot of people listening right now that hustle. And so, uh, just get uh, ready. I think I'm prepared. Good. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, there are some criteria, you know, I want to hear from people who are doing this, like while they're actually working a regular job, I mean, they have to be making at least $500 a month. I mean, hope, I mean a lot of people are making much more than that, but that's my minimum you know, criteria. Um, they have to be willing to talk in, in a lot of detail about their business. And some people are willing to do that and some people aren't. But if you meet the criteria, man, I'm ready. All awesome. Right. Awesome. That's fantastic. Um, so the book, Side Hustle, your tagline, from idea to income in mm-hmm. 27 days. Account for that 27 number there. Account for the 27 number? Yeah, where'd that yeah. come from? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I was trying to create a process, a blueprint. Um, like I always say that my books are step by step, but in looking back in retrospect, I realized maybe maybe not quite a step by step as as this book is. Like here, I actually am trying to tell people, like, okay, day one, do this. You know, day two, do this. You know, it all starts with identifying a goal, then understanding like where do ideas come from, like acquiring the skill of identifying vi- uh, viable and valuable ideas selecting between the best idea, developing everything you need to get started, putting it out in the world, and then regrouping and refining based on how people respond to it. So it's like a five-week process, you know, one step a day, uh, five or six days a week uh, going forward. So I guess I just, I kind of started with content. It's not like I had the numbers 27 and said, oh, I'm going to do a 27 days. What, what fits into that? Right. It was more like, what is the best process? Um, how do I create that blueprint uh, based on my research, based on lots of conversations with people, my own experience? Uh, and then it seemed to fit into like about that number, you know, and I think I got to 26 and I was like, I don't know, 26 doesn't sound that great. Let's add one more. So went up to 27. Well, a step. And with Ziegler being focused on goals, I mean, I'm a huge deadline guy because I yep. do tend to fly by the seat of my pants as well. Same. And sometimes if I don't have that deadline, I, uh, I don't show up. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Well, in this, in, in the book, and you even said it so far here that you're writing here to primarily to people who have a regular day job. And I was curious where you find the most um, resonance or what's most compelling to them. And I'm hitting on some of the stuff you mm. talked about in the book. Is it that, you know, one, folks want to do something they enjoy and have freedom or two, they want another stream of income or three, mm. they want the security of not having all their eggs in that one employment basket. Is there one of those three? I know it's a combo of those, but sure. is there one that you're finding it tends to be a majority vote? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 those things. It's also maybe a desire for a different creative outlet. You know, like you you like your job, you have skills that you use in your job, but you have other things that you like to do as well. So there's there's that. Um, you know, creating a backup plan or trying to build a bridge to a different future. Uh, some people also just want to make some extra cash. You know, some people just want to pay off some debt or save for a vacation or something. And like, you know, all that's all that's fine. I, I guess probably the biggest one would overall would be security. And I just want to create more security for myself, you know, that kind of thing. Like, regardless of what my next step is or my next goal or what I'm trying to work toward, I, I, I do want to be able to look to something that I have ownership over, um, you know, even if I'm not an entrepreneur or whatever. And I think what, um, what people are kind of respond to the most is the idea that they can do it while being really busy. Um, so it is mostly for people with jobs, but also, also like people that, that are like full-time moms or full-time dads or, or single moms or single dads or people that are just really busy and like they, they have like, you know, less than an hour a day, maybe, maybe less than half an hour a day to devote to this project. But if they knew what to do, 
they would be willing to invest that time. You know, and if they're listening to this show, they're probably willing to invest in themselves. That's why you listen to, you know, podcasts like this. So I'm trying to make it, make it simple for people. I don't want to say easy, right? Cause nothing worth doing is ever easy. You know, like I believe in working hard for something you believe in, but I'm trying to make it simple so that people know what to do next. Do, do you see any commonality? Like you've obviously through your podcast, you've had a lot of hustlers and a lot of, a lot of people side hustling. And, you know, I tell my kids uh, in this day and age, one of the rarest things in teenagers going into the workforce is uh, obviously work ethic. I mean, that, mm. that stands out like a beacon, you know, to an employer today. And, and, yep. you know, and so, so there's some characteristics I give them. Do you see some commonalities in, mm-hmm. in folks that uh, are successful at, at hustling and what are the top couple? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I would say um, one of the commonalities of success in this world uh, is curiosity, uh, just being willing to kind of you know ask questions or explore a topic that other people might overlook, and then connected to that. And I'll tell a short little story that that you know highlights both these things. Connected to that, uh, the willingness to take action, you know, on your curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, the book actually begins with the story of this guy in England who is a construction project manager and uh, on the side, his hobby is fish. He actually really likes fish. He's got a fish tank. He's a collector, you know, however that works. So one weekend, about three years ago, he he creates a little blog, WordPress blog, really simple uh, with fish tank reviews. And I guess if you're going to buy a fish tank, the first thing you're going to go do is like go online, you know, fish tank reviews, like which one do I buy or whatever. So he connects that blog to Amazon's affiliate program. And anybody can sign up for Amazon's affiliate program. It's you know pretty straightforward. And where he gets paid like a commission if uh, you know people click through and, and purchase a fish tank or something else. So he, he does this like I said in a weekend. Uh, then he gets busy with his day job, goes away. Uh, a few weeks later, he gets a check in the mail for like three hundred dollars. And he's like, huh, that's interesting, you know. So goes back to it, like puts a little bit of more, a little bit more work into it. Um, but eventually, like you know, he, he's got his day job, he's got other stuff, so he kind of leaves it. The punchline of the story is this is three years ago. Since then, um, every single month, he's been getting a check for about $600 or $700 from this little project that he set up that he hasn't touched, you know, since then. Now, $600 or $700, like you can't live off of that, right? But is it significant? Yeah, especially when you're not doing anything for it. You know, it's, it's, it's allowed him and his wife to take an extra vacation every year and to just have an extra savings fund. So if we go back to your question, you know, he was curious. Uh, he was willing to say maybe actually other people would be interested in this topic. Um, and he's actually really passionate about fish. If you read his reviews, it's just kind of, kind of funny. If you're not passionate about fish, uh, he's just, you know, his, his love for it really comes through. And so people, people, other people might not have been curious about that and other people might not have taken action on it. They might've just like, I'm not going to make a blog and connect it to Amazon and all that. So lots of stories like that, but curiosity, willingness to do something about it. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to take about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. I love, I love the, I love the combination. That's a one, two punch because mm-hmm. I think there's a whole lot of people out there with curiosity. There's a mm-hmm. whole lot of people out there with good ideas. Yeah. The difference mm-hmm. of, you know, a successful side hustle is the willingness to take action. And I, you know, we, we quote Zig a lot on this show mm-hmm. for obvious reasons, but, uh, you know, he used to say, you know, I don't care how big of a step you take, mm-hmm. but take yeah. as big of a step as you can, mm-hmm. but take it right now. Absolutely. And I think that's the, that's the missing ingredient that I think a mm. lot of people miss. They want to yeah. take that. They're not going to take it unless it could be that big step. It's got to be that mm. huge step <laughs> right. instead of the take it now. Yeah. And the take it now, in this case of your example, is what paid off. Yeah. I think, you know, we're gonna have another conversation at some point about Zig specifically, but that to me is something that's always kind of stood out to me about, about his legacy is the urgency and the timeliness of, of like, you know, now is your time, right? Like now is all the time that we have to us. Uh, and, uh, it, sometimes people feel like they have to make a decision, like they, they're trying to make a side hustle decision for the rest of their lives. And another thing I would suggest is you don't have to do that. This is not about picking your life partner. This is not about choosing what you're going to major in in college or anything like that. This is about making a choice like for 27 days, let's say, you know, (laughs) and if it doesn't work out, then you do something else after 27 days. Right. But what if it does work out? Like what if you actually do that blog about the fish tanks and then like three years later? So that's what I always try to push people toward. And that's, that's very reflective of what, what Zig has has left us with. Yeah. I like the 27 days. That's, that's all you got to commit to it and (laughs) you're good. I do too. Yeah. Michelle Prince and I uh, just had a, did a show a couple of days ago on goals. And the big thing mm. that came out from people it was a post on Facebook uh, was just the fear of failure, writing their mm. goals down and then not right. achieving it. And her line there was, you know, if, if you, if you do it, you may fail. If you don't do it, you're guaranteed to fail. And I, I love that right. perspective. But, but on this, as you were just talking about this, you know, step number one in the book is to build an arsenal of ideas. And you start mm. off talking about the guy that you just did with the fish tanks or somebody right. who photographed a wedding and turned it into uh, a revenue maker. Do you encourage people to, uh, as folks are hearing this, just, just get a glut of, of any idea you can, or do you generally say, well, let's look at your things you're curious about your abilities, expertise, knowledge, experience, and start make that your starting point or just 
just put out anything. Yeah, no, I like I like kind of honing in a little bit. I, I do think it's important uh, since people have limited time, um, and you want also want to kind of maximize your efforts and, and use your skills, you know, you know, toward this endeavor so that you'll be more successful and make more money. So I, I do try to encourage people to kind of go down a path of like maybe a self interview of uh, not just the things that I like to do, not just your passions or your hobbies. Like those are important, but let's go beyond that and, and look at your skills. Uh, all the skills that you have, not just, you know, if you went to college, what, what that was about or what you do for your day job, but all the different kind of things that you know about in the world or things that people ask you about. Um, and then there's, a, there's quite a bit about developing the power of observation, which is essentially just like going about daily life and noticing problems or inefficiencies or anything that could be done better. So um, I don't think it's bad to just brainstorm 100 different things. But uh, since people are busy, I try to kind of get them, get them on the right track, you know, and, and then develop the idea. When in that, obviously somebody comes and they do have a lot of ideas. They are somebody who's thinking about this. Right. And yeah, they've got a lot. Of, you know, they're maybe they're not sure which one to land on, and that's what you're helping them with in the book. But then, of course, there are a group of people who who like the concept and they really feel pretty clueless on what it is it is that they could offer. What's your primary tactic if you're talking to somebody across the table who feels that way of pulling out? Things that they are interested in, they do have experience where they go, gosh, yeah, okay, the light, well, I never, I never really connected that that was something I could pursue. Uh, what's yep. your methodology there? Yeah, I usually uh, just ask them a few different questions and kind of see what, what comes out and that kind of pursues a little, that kind of leads to a track. Um, so I ask them like, you know, what, what do you do now? What were some jobs you had before? Uh, what do you like about the job you have now? What do you not like about it? Um, where have you been the most successful? Where's a time that you failed? You know, things like that. If, if you've ever thought about having some kind of side hustle, what was it and what, what happened with it? Um, I mean, depending on, on how the conversation goes, you can, you can get really big picture and you can say, okay, well, like when you were, you know, 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grow up? Um, or you can get, you know, just super specific and granular and say, okay, what are you trying to achieve? How much money do you, are you trying to make through this project and how much time do you have and what are you willing to do for it? You know, do you think a product or a service is better? So it's like a conversation kind of thing, but uh, there's a lot of exercises and activities in the book so that if, if I'm not having a conversation with somebody, they can still get that information. Friends, this is the halfway point in the interview, and I trust you're finding value so far. To connect with Chris, again, go to chrisgillibo.com. You can get his new book, Side Hustle, there or wherever you get books. On Amazon, again, as of this recording, you know, right now it's sitting at about 237 in all books. That's impressive. And again, to submit your side hustle to Chris, go to sidehustleschool.com. Uh, before we resume this great interview, I have two great services to recommend. Number one, smart biz loans. For many of our Ziegler listeners, you need some capital to grow your business further. Where to get is the big issue. Uh, did you want to give away part of your business or keep it and get a loan? One of the most trusted places to get a loan is an SBA loan, but getting one is known to be about as easy as finding a needle in a haystack. That's why smart biz loans was created with six to 8% interest rates and low monthly payments. SBA loans are considered the gold standard of small business loans. Smart biz loans makes SBA loans dramatically easier to get. I had a conference call with the folks who run it to fully understand the concept. It is substantial. They streamline the entire process, matching you with one of their SBA preferred bank partners that are most likely to approve your loan. The whole process is simple. It takes less than five minutes to pre-qualify and loans can be funded in just a few weeks with features in Forbes, the wall street journal, and over a 
billion, half a billion dollars funded in SBA loans. Smart Biz Loans is the most trusted place to apply for the SBA loan you need to grow your business. So cut out the hassle, visit smartbizloans.com and see what you pre-qualify for. Use promo code Ziggler for $500 off your closing cost. That's smartbizloans.com, promo code Ziggler. Uh, disclaimer, loans have a variable rate of prime rate plus 1.5% to 3.75%. And next is Goddard School. Have you ever thought about going into business for yourself, but were overwhelmed by the idea of doing it by yourself? Operating a franchise gives you the best of both worlds, the freedom of owning your own business and the support and resources of an established, successful brand. The Goddard School, that's G-O-D-D-A-R-D, is a premier franchise of private preschools, providing you the opportunity to own a recession-resistant business while making a positive impact on children and their families. There's an ever-increasing demand for high-quality preschools and childcare, and having been a trusted name among parents, parents and families for nearly 30 years, the Goddard School's proven educational approach ensures that children have fun while learning the skills they need for long-term success in school and in life. Not to mention, children's daycare services earned a total of $47.8 billion in revenue in 2016 and are projected to earn $52.5 billion by 2021. And when you become a Goddard School franchisee, you receive best-in-class support from a team of knowledgeable professionals in marketing, advertising, finance, IT, and more. For more information or to apply to become a Goddard School franchisee, visit learnaboutgoddard.com. Again, that's G-O-D-D-A-R-D, learnaboutgoddard.com. In the history of myself and working with a lot of people in this arena, um, I really want to speak to, I, I get frustrated when there's a great message and it gets discounted. So, you know, mm. Mark, Tim has a hundred children like I do, and, and we've had some <laughs> success and it makes it easy to speak to that. But I get frustrated because I've actually heard this and I'm betting that you have as well. You know, there's, mm. there's a group of, of guys. If I look at you and Tim Ferriss and Jordan mm. Harbinger and John Lee Dumas, who uh, killer information. I have literally heard people who will discount them and say, yeah, but those guys don't have a big family and they're able to do that. And of course, Mark Tim would say, well, I, I did some great things and I've got a big family and I would too. But <laughs> on that, you spoke of being busy and, and yeah. I, I found that that is one of the biggest challenges. Will you speak just a little bit more to those people who feel like I just, I want to, but I'm maxed. Yeah. Um, I would say in some ways that, you know, first of all, like I emphasize, I understand, I'm never going to tell you to get up two hours earlier. You know, like I hear that sometimes, get up two hours earlier and write your book. You know, like most people who are in this situation, they're already not sleeping a whole lot. I'm right. going to guess, you know, right. like because of kids or because, you know, they, they have to get up early to go to work or whatever, you know? Um, so I, I'm trying to really reduce that burden first of all, and say, you know, you, you're, you are going to have to spend some time on it, but we're going to minimize that as much as possible and try to make what you do actually count, which I think is, is super important. Uh, in, in some cases, uh, being busy can also be a benefit. I might mm -hmm. encourage them to, to, you know, reframe that mindset just a little bit uh, because if you have like unlimited time, then you're going to mess around a lot. And, and I, and I've done this myself. I spend plenty of time like surfing the internet, trying all kinds of different ideas, every different tactic in the world. And then when you do that, you're not going to be very targeted and it's probably not going to work in the first place. Uh, so by, by having, let's just say like the benefit of limited time, 
um, you know, as long as you make the right decisions, which is what I'm trying to help people do in the first place, uh, then your work is going to be more effective. And, and ultimately, wanna, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. No, well, I want to jump in and just say, yeah. too, that uh, for those out there that have, uh, you know, a lot of kids or a larger family, something that I discounted so much <clears throat> was being transparent with my family and sharing my goals mm-hmm. and dreams with them. And, right. you know, and I'm telling you, it's a game changer. Like mm-hmm. my kids, when I'm when I'm vulnerable enough to say, I've got this idea and, you know, I'd like to try it. And I'd like for you to just um, maybe encourage me or ask me about it. The next thing I know, I've got my kids saying, how can I help? What can I do? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. I think there's a lot of people out there that discount the fact. And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about child labor. I'm talking about <laughs> child interest. Yeah. You know, Child investment. Yeah. One of the things that I've found is that a couple of my kids have shown interest in my side hustles Mm -hmm. and by virtue of them helping me, we've been able to spend some serious quality time. So, you know, we're kind of accomplishing two things. I want to kill a relationship with my Mm -hmm. kids, Mm -hmm. but I I need these, you know, side projects as well. Mm -hmm. And so by involving them, not only am I accomplishing the side hustle, but I'm really strengthening my relationship and I'm talking to them more than I would if we were just sitting at home. And yeah, fantastic. Emotions. So just a, totally just agree. a thought on that. Well, well, I agree. You know, I hear, I hear some people who are uh, some of the, some of the stories I featured on the show are actually families who are doing this together, you know, which is not that. the right, not the best answer for everyone, of course. But uh, in some cases, it's actually, actually really interesting to see that there's a, it's like a mother and son and actually like the whole family is now involved, uh, you know, his sister and the, and the dad, like all four of them. Uh, but it came from uh, the son who was about 10 years old, I think, and, and playing t-ball or baseball. And you, know, you have to wear like an athletic cup, you know, if you're a boy and uh, being like he thought they were kind of uncomfortable. So he actually developed, you know, his, his own like new version of the athletic cup and they got it manufactured. They went on this whole process as a family of figuring out how do we get these made? And like, how do we sell them? How do we brand them and market them? Uh, so they're, they're actually running that business, you know, as, as a family now. And it's, it's not just a hobby. It's actually a pretty profitable business. That's cool. Well, and I'll have to say on that, you know, with, with kind of what you said, or uh, busy can be a benefit. Yeah. I think that that without that, sometimes without the have to, I don't know if I'd ever come through. So I, I finally came to the realization that I think I need all the kids and all that's going on to make me work smart and get things done. Yeah. I'm curious just to back up a little bit on this mm-hmm. though. Chris, I mean, you have been influencing people for a long time. I mean, you started with the art of nonconformity and, uh, you've got such a great, uh, following you, you, you influence not only the populace out here, but a lot of also other influencers too. So when you look at this and I know you want to help people make money on the side, have more security, spend mm-hmm. so, uh, time doing something they enjoy. But I'm curious if we step back and just look at you, what's your, mm-hmm. what's your main motivation? If you look at, I know we talk about what you, what are you passionate about, but I know sure. some people tend to who are influencers tend to also feel like I, you know, I feel burdened about this in the, in the culture. Mm. And I want to affect that. Where do you come in there? Okay. Yeah. That's also a great question. Thank you. I'm not sure I've ever thought about it that way. Um, I would say I'm, I'm really motivated by, um, by like stories of positive change that, you know, I've had some little role in and I've done something that has intersected with somebody else's life and their journey. So they've read the book or they've listened to the podcast or something, and it's kind of helped them along the way through some practical tool or just a nudge or an encouragement or like a guided guidance or something. And so um, I always like, I love getting emails from people who say like, I, you know, read your book and I quit my job or I read, read your book and I was able to start this project and making this money. And here's what it's meant to me or my family. Like it's, it's not just about the amount of money or whatever. It's like, here's what it's meant to me. Like, I really like that. Um, and in saying that, like I, it, I do find it very motivating, but I also try to 
acknowledge that I'm not the one doing the work. Like that person is the one that did the work. And I always say that to them, but I, I, I personally find it really encouraging when I, when I hear stuff like that. I'm sure you guys hear that stuff all the time too. Yeah. Well, and in this, so when you're talking about all these stories, all these stories that you're, you're reviewing and showcasing in the, well, of course in the book, but also in the show, uh, I mean, elementary question, but I I think it's, it's important. I'd love to hear your take on the fact who, who has started a successful side hustle who has not also gone, you know what? I had this pretty significant personal growth. Does it ever not happen? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think it, I think it probably happens by default or by design. Like as you go through, as you go through change, as you walk through something that's new to you, um, you're, you know, you're going to be affected in in all kinds of ways. And sometimes those, those secondary benefits may actually, you know, turn out to be more longer lasting than whatever the money was that you got paid. Yeah. So what is overall the biggest excuse people have for not taking action? (laughs) Mm, I like that. What what do you think, Mark? I feel like I should, I should ask you for a second answer too, but I'm curious what you think. Uh, the biggest excuse, I would say time. Mm. I would say time. I just, that's what I hear now more than anything is, is that uh, I, I don't have any time. It seems like time is, is now more highly valued than mm. money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, it, it just, it's a, it's almost in a category in and of itself for a lot of people. Now that may not be what you're hearing, but boy, that's what I'm hearing from families. I'm, I'm heavily in the family space, by the way. Yeah. So I, I connect with sure. a lot of families and uh, time is, is at the top. Yeah, uh, I definitely hear that too. Um, I do hear I do hear money, but it's usually I see that as more of a perception thing than a, than a real obstacle. Since a lot of what I'm talking about doesn't require a lot of money to do, so sometimes people are like, uh, what, "What kind of business would you start for like five thousand dollars?" Or here's my budget. What kind of business should I start? I feel like that's like the wrong approach, the wrong right. question, you know, from the very beginning. Um, the other objection that I do hear, though, just as much as or at least in the same you know category as uh, as the time is. Uh, I don't, I don't quite know what to do. Like I've got an idea or I thought about it, but I don't know what the next step is, or I got this far, but I didn't, I got stuck somewhere and then I'm busy with, you know, the family, the job, et cetera. I couldn't, couldn't get over that hump. So uh, it's like the practical and and the time. Yeah. What do they, what do they call it? Paralysis of analysis. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Right. They're, they're overanalyzing all the opportunities to the point where they, they can't pick one, Mm -hmm. uh, and then they, then they don't pick one. Right. And so then they end up making no decision basically, which is a decision of course. Well, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> so, that's the biggest decision that they make right there. Not right. making a decision is the biggest decision that yeah, uh, yeah. we can make. Well, and, and in selfless promo- promotion uh, for you, uh, you know, if you don't know what to do, if you feel like that, that is lack of clarity, dig into the book. That is, I mean, it's a, such a significant step-by-step to help you take those Wait, you know what? I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that in just a second on now how let's just, you, let's just make the decision for people right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, this Buy is what you should book. do. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> that. Yeah. That's what Chris does. He tells you what to do. No, he, he helps you discern that. But you know, you cite that in some ways for those, and I, and I assume you're talking again to that audience of primarily those who, who do have a day job, they are full-time self-employed that everyone should have a side hustle. And you talk about that. There was a book you may know about it. It was about seven years ago, a guy named Matthew Crawford. It was uh, shop class as soul craft. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. Lo- I love the book. Hugely, hugely successful book. Yeah. 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 Really, really great. And his soapbox was that we as a culture have gone toward this higher education, being a knowledge worker, and mm-hmm. we find a specialized task that we can fill as a cog in a you know big corporation, big machine, whatever. And then when the layoff comes or the downsize comes, mm-hmm. we don't know, uh, folks don't know how to apply what they're doing in that little specialty thing to anything. And they end up, mm-hmm. they're unemployed for, you know, six months or two years because they 
they right. don't have an applicable or they don't feel they do applicable right. skill. Is that, are you running into that with folks who feel again, that there's a, a maybe a growing part of the culture? It feels like I don't have anything outside of this cog in oh. a wheel that I can do on my own. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I talked about a lot on, the, on my last book and the last book tour was, um, uh, I don't think necessarily everyone should be an entrepreneur, which is something that we're all saying. Um, but I, I do think everyone should learn to think entrepreneurially, mm-hmm. right? And, and that, is, um, that is the kind of mindset that you don't necessarily learn in school. You don't necessarily learn it from your family unless you have an entrepreneurial family, which is great for those who do. Um, but it's something that can be learned. It's not that complicated. Like a lot of, this, a lot of the kind of skills and stuff that I talk about learning are, are really not rocket science. You know, rocket science is what you actually learned like through your higher education or, you know, through the, your 10, 20, 30 year career, you know, that that's the specialized knowledge. Uh, what we need to figure out is how to then take that and apply it in a different way. So I think it's, it, it's helping people learn these kind of entrepreneurial skills, no matter what their objective is and where they, where they hope to go next. Well, and another uh, guy that, of course, we've had on the Ziegler Show, Seth Godin, uh, his book Lynchpin is, is such a great resource for that, being a lynchpin, being indispensable, mm-hmm. and yeah, thinking like an entrepreneur. Well, on the same, uh, the same track, most of all the stories, if not all, in the book and, and probably in the show as well, you started off with, okay, so this guy – wanted X. So he Hmm. did X and, uh, focusing on, they wanted whatever. So I'm sure you also know Donald Miller and I'm a, I'm a fan of his. I love the book, a million miles in a thousand years where he talks about a good story is made up of a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. Hmm. How Hmm. much does that aspect of people tangibly wanting something play out in the stories of the people you're involved with? Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. Seth Godin has written something like, I don't know, you know, a hundred bucks, it feels like, and Donald mm-hmm. Miller's done like what, 10 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two that you just mentioned are my favorites mm-hmm. of those guys as well. Like <laughs> Lynchpin and a million miles in a thousand years, yeah. like, like both of them on my top 10 list of all time. Um, the conflict. Yeah. I, like the hero's journey kind of thing. And like, you're going to go up against something and, and do that. I feel like that's, um, you know, in, in some ways, obviously for some people that's, that's going to apply. I, I think maybe people are a little bit scared off, you know, by that in some, some other ways, because they think of that as like the big entrepreneurial journey. Like I'm going to like make this huge life transition and you may very well be doing that. You know, that may be someone's goal or objective. Um, but for other people, I guess I'm trying to, as I said, simplify and maybe take the pressure off and like, don't necessarily think of it as like this huge thing you have to overcome. Let's just do something kind of simple to make, you know, even a small amount of money, uh, extra each month because, you know, as, as you guys know, and for, for us, like we've been working for ourselves, you know, in various ways for, for a long time, like the three of us, but, uh, a lot of people haven't done that. And so the first time that people make money outside their day job, even if it's a small amount, which it usually is like, it feels so good. It's just so empowering. So I'm trying to get, I'm trying to fast track, basically I'm trying to fast track, fast track people to get to that point to where they have the PayPal notification that comes in their email that says somebody sent you $200 last night. Like maybe you were asleep and you woke up and that $200 came in or you got your first customer, your first client, whatever it is. Uh, because I feel like that is the gateway, you know, to, to all else, you know, and that is the gateway to whatever it is that you are trying to achieve for yourself. And uh, whether that mission is eventually like something much bigger or whether it's just, as I said, like this, this, this amount of freedom and option and choice, then that's great. So all about getting to that quicker. One of the things I love about what you're saying, and I hope everybody is hearing this, is that uh, I think you're also giving people permission Mm. for the side hustle to be indefinite. 
that mm-hmm. once you start it, it doesn't have to then transition to this entrepreneurial journey. It yeah. actually can be the entrepreneurial journey and it can be, you can still, you know, retire from the company you're working for and have yeah. the rest of the time. And I think giving people permission to say, I can do this and this is this, this is, this is okay to continue to do as long as I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Because I think there is a certain amount of people that need the security that comes with the benefits, the insurance, and all the stability yep. of of that job. But yet they need this side hustle. They need that extra five hundred dollars mm-hmm. or a thousand dollars. But they fear if I start that, then you know I've got competing forces instead of potentially very synergistic forces that create the life that they've always dreamed of. Yeah. And it could be this duality instead mm-hmm. of a I have to choose. And I think too much of the entrepreneurial mindset is mm-hmm. I'm, I got to choose. I got to yeah. choose. And yep. you're basically saying you don't have to choose. You mm-hmm. can, they can coexist. And I, I like that permission. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. You know what else there's, there's too much of the entrepreneurial, I don't say mindset, but like this message that you hear a lot. Um, that not everything has to be sustainable. This is a big part of the side hustle message as well. Like not every project you, you create necessarily needs to like meet these criteria of being scalable and sustainable and like all these questions that you hear if you watch shows like Shark Tank, which are fun and entertaining, you know, good. Um, but there, those, those shows are about a very different kind of model, you know, of a startup, right? So here's a quick story of uh, this woman named Jen. And uh, Jen was, I think she was in New Jersey. And two of her friends asked her to be their bridesmaid on the same day, like you're getting married the same day. And, you know, it's like double booked to be a bridesmaid. And at the same time, she was booked to be somebody else's bridesmaid another week. And one of her other friends said, wow, Jen, you're almost like a professional bridesmaid, you know? And so it was like a joke, but she decided to write a Craigslist ad saying, I'm going to be a, I'm a professional bridesmaid. Like, you know, hire me. Here's how it works. And uh, this ad like went viral and lots of people like wrote about it. The next day she has like 150 emails from people who wanted to hire her and from other women who wanted to do the same thing basically as a business. So she actually decided to like pursue it and see where it led. And she was, she worked in PR. She had like a normal job, but she builds out this whole model of like, what does a professional bridesmaid do? Well, it's essentially event planning, right? Yeah. But it, you know, event planning doesn't sound as good as saying I'm a professional bridesmaid. And uh, so as she did that, and then she also developed a course, you know, eventually for other people that wanted to do it. So the, the whole like end of the story is over about a year and a half, um, she made a lot of money with this. She actually made $200,000, you know, from this project. So this is not $500 a month. This is like, you know, really, really successful and significant. Ended up writing a book about it. So huge success. Is it sustainable? Not necessarily. She's not going to do it for the rest of her life, but she doesn't have to. Like she has a great story. It's like, you know, when you're, you know, 20 years from now, she's going to be telling that story of this, of this business. And also, you know, she had a lot of money. So, you know, like not everything has to be sustainable. You know, it just has to work for now. I, uh, I love that message. And I know in our community uh, with, with a bunch of kids and, and as Kevin said, I got a hundred kids. Um, and so really I have six kids, three boys, three girls, wow. but I never heard, I've, I've yet to hear more side hustle stories in my local community than I did over this little gadget called a fidget spinner. Yeah. yeah, And the amount of moms, the amount of dads, the amount of kids that were side hustling around this fidget spinner. Now, now it's, 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 it come on, you know, it's been here and it's gone already, but that, that was the gateway for a lot of people to, Mm -hmm. you know, to make a little money on the side and a ton of people did and Mm -hmm. probably are now looking for their next side hustle as a result of that. But it's a gateway of, of a gateway that happened this year. 
Right. It's like Beanie Babies or anything else. Like, you know, use it. I mean, why not? You know, it's like if something will work, you know, do you, do you know the million dollar homepage? Have you guys seen that? You know, if you ever want to see the worst designed webpage in the history of the internet, just go to milliondollarhomepage.com. It looks terrible. It's a whole like single page of like pixelated ads. It's done in this like 10 to 15 year, year ago kind of web design style. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of joking about it being terrible because the guy who started it made a million dollars from it. He was a college student and he sold ad, ads on it basically like for companies that would pay like this much for this space or whatever. And it got lots of media attention as well because it was a crazy, you know, ridiculous idea. And so, you know, terrible looking website. Obviously, you can only do it once. You can't do like the million dollar homepage, you know, second version. Um, but million dollars. Okay, well, on that right there, you were talking about ridiculous. <laughs> I, I can tell sorry, you guys I have paused to, the conversation I, I to go and look, look at the it, website. Uh, I had to look it up. This thing is so ugly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, this I want to. So I want to ask about that ridiculous ideas and yeah, professional bridesmaid. I, I would just not think that has viability. Oh, well, you hit that, of course, right off in the book that with an idea, the question that people have is it really viable and my you know with all the people all the stories you've been involved with all the ideas you've heard have you ever heard one and of course i'm i'm kind of hitting on the you know the overall perspective but you really ever hear one that often where you think you know what there's absolutely no possibility for that to do anything uh ever because you're just telling us somewhere i would think those got to fit close to that category of thinking really seriously and yet it feels like you're saying that with pretty much anything there's probably some type of opportunity for it. it may not be huge, but something is that, am I, you agree? Um, I, I agree. Probably. I mean, you don't know until you try it, right? That's the thing. And you know, not, not to go down a whole other track, but just in brief, uh, I think the other thing people tend to focus on too much is validating their idea in advance. And also in entrepreneurial culture, it's like, you must validate your idea before you go to market. Well, some of these things that we're talking about, there's no way to validate them until you do them. You can't like go and ask a focus group, you know, if you could make a million dollars on a ridiculously looking website, right? You can't ask, you know, you can't do research to see if there's really a market for a professional bridesmaid kind of thing. It's never been done before, at least not in that way with that message. So uh, I, I think like the only way to find out if your ideas is, is going to work is not to ask an expert. It's not to ask your buddy because your buddy is not really qualified to tell you in most cases. Uh, it's just, just to kind of try it and see. And that's why if you do it without spending a lot of money, if you do it without spending, you know, months or years or however long, like working on the idea before you start, then what do you, what do you have to lose? Well, and I want to climax here. We, we talked about, or I alluded to it a minute ago, talking about how do you choose the idea? What's the most viable one and kind of your methodology there. But in leading up to that, you really talk about two categories that most ideas fall into selling a product or providing Mm -hmm. a service. And I don't want you to rate one over the other necessarily, but my gosh, with, with all the people that you've talked with, all the stories, you know, this show do you find, maybe just speak to that propensity, you know, I could ask if, is one more f- generally feasible than the other or more profitable than the other, or is a, a, an easier startup than the other, but maybe just speak to that as people are thinking, gosh, sure. should it be a product? Should it be a service? Yeah. Well, lots of things can be a product or a service. You know, a lot, if, you, if you, you're trying to educate people in some way or, you know, you know transfer knowledge in some way, um, you can create a product for that. You can create a service of coaching or consulting or teaching, or there's lots of different, different approaches. I don't actually think that, that one is categorically better than the other. I think this is where, like we've talked about skills a lot. Mm-hmm. I think this is also where your personality matters a lot. Um, because this is your side hustle. You're not building a company, at least not right now. Like you are the one doing all the work for the most part. So it's important to understand, uh, not just your skills, but your strengths and your weaknesses, which we might talk about at some point. And, uh, 
like how you relate to people and like, do you like to go and work on something? Do you like to like go and work on something by yourself and then put it out? Or do you really like derive energy from talking to people? There's that whole like personality thing there. I think that's, those are important factors to consider when you're, you're trying to decide, I have an idea. Does it become a product or a product or a service? Okay. Okay. So on this, and I want to, and folks go get the book. That's the, that's the, you're not going to get everything from this thing. This is, this is a, a primer here. I mean, you're going to get some good meat out of this, but, but go do that. But just on this aspect of, okay, so somebody has got some ideas, maybe one they really like, but they're going to shore it up with, with some others really think through as they look at the book. And then you have how to measure in essence, which one may be the best for you right now. So if you give us kind of the cliff notes and I'll read off, yeah, you start absolutely. off with, with feasibility, persuasion, profit potential, efficiency, and then motivation. Mm-hmm. And then you're ranking those with high, medium, and low. So give us a, a cliff notes yeah. in essence of that. Okay. Yeah. Let me simplify it a little bit. So yeah. this is called the side hustle selector yeah. and the whole process is in the book. Um, it's very intuitive. It will take you about five minutes to complete, uh, maybe 10 minutes max. Um, it uses both like left brain and right brain thinking, which I think is important. So it's analytical, it's logical, um, but it's also like allows for some creative process. So let's just take three of the factors to make it easy for people who are listening. So you got three factors. You got feasibility, uh, which is like how relatively how easy or hard do you think it is to get this idea out, out and running within 27 days? Like, can you see a path from where you are to like having that idea actually developed? So if it's like manufacturing something in China that's never been done before, that's not, not very feasible. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just going to be like a long, long path. Um, if it's like putting up the blog, you know, about the fish tank or something, that's, that's very feasible. Feasibility, you know, profitability. Now, this is going to be an estimate, of course, because you don't know until you do it. But like all things being equal, you know, what is the profit potential of each idea compared to the other? Like which one do you think has the most, you know, the most potential to make the most amount of money in the relatively, you know, you know, smallest amount of time. Yeah. And then the third factor, let's say is motivation. Um, because I do believe it's important that your side hustle is something you look forward to. Um, I, I think, you know, we have, we all have things that we have to do in life and I, your side hustle should not be something you dread. It should be something that you're actually excited about and you, you got your job and you're looking forward to that brief little window or whatever time you have to spend on it. So all things being equal, if you got four different ideas, you know, which one are you most excited about? And yeah, you know, if you, if you kind of do this little exercise, it will give you information you know, that, that is relevant to you about which idea you should pursue next. So on that, so idea, so folks, again, go in there, go through, use this. I mean, this is literally one of those books again, that I love because it's not just a theory. It is a workbook. Here's what you do. And step-by-step again, 27 days. And he maps it out for you. Um, after you land on that. So here's the idea and you think, okay, I feel good about this after going through the book and going through the steps, then what do you do next? And on you, you hit right off three areas that in, in my own history are so big and people often miss it. I violated them myself by missing it. And I, and I consistently have to come back to it. And you hit number one, target market to the compelling offer and three, tell a story of mm-hmm. those three. What are we as your audience, uh, which I, okay. I'm a part of, where do we generally, miss make a misstep in here which is which is the one that we tend to be a little more prone to uh missing okay um yeah i mean we could we could talk about each one of those for a while i'm just trying to to compress here um that we've given people a lot let's let's take the second one which is um i think you said something about compelling Compelling offer offer, going from idea to offer Uh, And this is also very practical. I feel like people can hear this and do something right away. So I think when people are first developing their, their side hustle idea, 
Um, they're very much focused on ideas, which is good. But we as consumers, we don't buy ideas. Like we buy products or services, like you just said a few minutes ago. So I like to encourage people as quickly as possible to go from like this general idea to what actually are you offering? What is the product or service? Um, and an offer includes like a pitch, which hopefully includes a story, like you just said. Um, but it includes a, a promise, like what is the benefit? Uh, it includes a price. So I'm trying to get people from idea, not just from idea to income, but also from idea to offer. And as you begin to think about different things that you could do to make money, uh, it's really helpful to conceive of them almost from the very beginning of what is the actual offer. I'm offering this product. Here's how much it's going to cost. Here's how people get me money for it. Okay. Awesome. Hey, Chris, I, uh, I know we're wrapping up here. And so I just want to say that uh, I personally, you know, I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. So I've, I've started a lot of businesses. I've done a lot of side hustles. In fact, I want to I make a statement that says, even an entrepreneur, so a guy mm-hmm. like me, Okay, I I believe that I had side hustles going in my entrepreneurial endeavors. So I don't mm-hmm. think just for somebody who is, you know, who who literally, I, I mean, is working a nine to fiver and they're looking mm-hmm. to do a side hustle. I think people who are even entrepreneurs that have committed a lot of resources to one thing, because what I found as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. is after doing an entrepreneurial endeavor for two or three years, it feels like you you're you're working for someone else sometimes. Yep. And yeah. so sometimes you have to have that side hustle on the mm-hmm. side. That, that, that expands or explores other possibilities. And so what, what I got out of all of this, and I just mm. want to say thank you for, um, you know, putting pen to paper and, and bringing this to life is that I actually believe that anybody who wants to generate some additional margin, you know, mm. and I define mm. margin, not just as money, but, but time, mm. because sometimes a little bit of extra money creates some time, you know, mm. from, from the work that they have. But I, I think anybody listening to this can do it. Mm-hmm. I think everybody has a side hustle in them and they're just maybe lacking the clarity and the confidence to take that step. And mm-hmm. it looks like you've packaged it in your book. And I want to encourage everybody to get that book. And I want to encourage you to finish your 100 city tour. Uh-huh. Uh, because quite frankly, Chris, uh, there are a lot of people I know that need this message and they need it now. So thank you for awesome. bringing it. Thank you. I really appreciate that kind endorsement. Thank you. It means a lot to me. Yep. And folks, uh, this is, uh, I know you got value here. Let us know in, in iTunes and uh, let us let Chris know. Go to sidehustleschool.com. Uh, Chris, man, thanks for taking the time and uh, the, sharing your gift and your message and your art. You guys are awesome. Thank you. And thanks Thank to everybody you. who's listening. <laughs>